Hey guys, it's Dean with the X-Files podcast, just breaking at the front of this episode to tell you that it appears that we have solved the terrible echo issues we had on uh, Josh's recording from last week. However, uh, in our experimentation, we've stumbled upon an entirely new audio issue, which sounds like he might not be using his microphone again. I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm actually in the midst of talking to him in the middle of recording this. Um, but it doesn't really matter because there's nothing we can do about it. It doesn't really matter why. The only thing that matters is that we try to mitigate it as best as we can. And that's what I've done here. But um, just as a heads up, this isn't quite LSG media quality, not the quality that you guys have come to uh, to grow used to. So just a little bit of disclaimer up front that um, a little bit of the audio is going to sound uh, a little weird. And um, it has been fixed as much as possible. And uh, we will endeavor to ensure that we do not do this for the season one finale of Erlenmeyer Flask. Um, I'm going to have good pal Josh doing some experimentations on his end. I'm going to make sure all the settings are good on my end. And that is that. So thank you very much for your patience. I apologize for the sound quality here, but it is what it is. And um, at least we have some audio. Welcome back to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm Josh. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 1, Episode 23, Roland. X-Files, man. Better than Born Again. Wow. Much better than Born Again. Yeah. There's um I gotta tell you, dude, there's a lot of heart in this episode. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah, there is. Um I would counter that with a question. What percentage of that heart is due to the performance? I would say that a pretty significant amount of the performance, a pretty significant amount of the character, um, Obviously, our instinct is because of his disability to care for him greater because he struggles to care for himself, right? Yep. So I think there's a lot of empathy there as well. But I think this guy's really good. Zelcho Ivanic, he's been in a lot of good TV, this guy. And he's played really ruthless characters. So it's kind of... He was was just in uh, Three Billboards. He was the chief. He was. Yeah, that was a great fucking movie. It's, It's so good, dude. Um, so yeah, he's good. He he played a pretty ruthless vampire in um, True Blood. He was in that for a while. He was in a show I dug called Damages. Played a character named Ray Fisk. Great name, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny. I've seen him as a bad guy so many times. He feels like he should have been in the um, in the politics show there, House of Cards. Man, that's like a show for him, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, he that. played the Magister. So he he doled out justice in the vampire world. So that made him pretty scary in that show. You know, I've still never watched that show. <clears throat> it's pretty good for quite a few seasons, and then it kind of really drops off. But mm-hmm. I like it. I recommend it to White Wolf fans, for sure. But, um, yeah, I liked him. I think so. So I don't know if it was so much of a counter, so much of it was just a, a curiosity as to the method of value, right? Well, I guess I'll say this then, to, to refine and to move on as we get into our initial impressions here. The uh, X Files blunder aside, how did this how did this episode sit with you, um, both on this view, but especially in comparison to what you were called of it from 
previous viewings. I remembered quite a bit of this episode, actually. I couldn't remember his fate at the end. I don't remember how it ended. But I remembered the propulsion. I remembered the appearance of James Sloyan. He's the guy that plays Nolet. He's been in Star Trek a few times as a few different characters. He's in a fantastic episode that I made you watch probably at Bose where um, this Romulan guy defects to the um, Federation. He's the guy that defects. He's got such a distinct voice. And he, you know, the, that, the premise of the episode is he was, they, they gave him false information so he would defect because they didn't trust him and they were right not to trust him. It's a very sad episode. But it was him and he was great in it. And he's played a couple different roles in Star Trek and stuff. So it was kind of cool to see him again. Um, we just talked about him last night. I had a little pod with Nate last night. We were talking a lot of Trek. But um, yeah, dude, it was, um, I remembered a good chunk of this episode. <clears throat> but I dig it. Um, I definitely, there's definitely, there's definitely some head scratching moments. Like probably my initial impression would be Dr. Arthur Grable's a piece of shit. <laughs> right? Fuck that guy. There, that is Dude, like a he's, that's, the, that's the hard part of the episode is that the bad guy, like if, if they didn't make what I don't like about Nolet's character is I don't like that he's mustache twirling evil. It's kind of dumb. It's just like, why doesn't he just take the research? Because the guy died so we can go at Mach 15. But no, Arthur Grable is going to come back from the dead, ruin his brother's already challenging life. And in the, and in the, and in the fucking meantime, murder everyone because they want to keep the research going. It's just like that part of it's weird. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, and that might be an expectation thing too, because I think, I mean, the closest one to this one has to be, I don't know, probably um, Shadow. Okay, Shadow? I dig it. <clears throat> well, at least that, that was what was pinging in my mind, because I'd seen this one a lot, I remembered it, but I didn't remember exactly how, I remembered it being the brother, um, and he was kind of sort of coming back from the dead, not so dead, Um but I had this weird nagging thing where I thought he was writing a bigger wrong than he was. Mm-hmm. But really, you're just fucking murdering a bunch of people because you're pissed off that they're using your research. That you died. Like, I could see if one of if his death was at the hands of one of the other scientists. I was positive. Me too. That, that was the case. Me too. That's what I didn't remember. And maybe that's a good maybe that's a good juke on the episode. Sure. But they do kind of make Nolet a little too villainous, right? Oh, dude, wicked. Yeah. So, like, Nolet's, I mean, he has a, we'll, we'll get to it, but a, a true Bond <clears throat> villain kind of moment. Oh, the pistol. No, In the you, monologue. It's terrific. That's what I mean, the, the mustache twirl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want you to die, Mr. Bond. <laughs> but you know, first, like, I will explain why you are going to yeah, die. Yeah. What I'm doing. It's a little silly. It's a little silly. Yeah. So, yeah, there is, um... I remember liking this episode a lot, and I still really enjoyed it. I feel like a lot of my enjoyment, though, is I really dig um, our boy here. Roland. Roland, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Zelcho Ivanic. Yep. Slovenian, <laughs> like our first lady. Indeed. Cheers. Cheers. Um, now I want to put together a woman over there. And, <laughs> and I like the uh, – I mean, I like the whole pr- – premise as far as the setting the me too the the jet propulsion the you know what they're working on that's really cool and even like the the element all the elements on paper are cool i just don't my biggest hang up from this one was actually 
the motivations. That was the whole thing. Where right, we've had yeah, this before. Great this is just a piece of shit. He sucks. I mean, he sucks, and it doesn't even like really make sense what his motivations really were. Like, all right, you wanted you wanted to be able to finish it and get credit, but like obviously you're not going to get credit because you're a, a brain and a and a cryo tube, and you're using your you know your little dim brother there to to finish it up. Like, what, what was your end game? And then all the all the doctors that died, like, no, that's the last one left standing. The other ones are kind of just, you know, sort of two-dimensional cutouts, like, doctor, scientist guy, meh, meh, meh. You know, a couple of them are kind of douchey. And especially, uh, what's the first one there that, that eats it? Keats. Uh, Keats, is it, yeah. Is it Keats? Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of funky thing is that the big picture is kind of like, meh, I don't really know about it. But as, as an episode of X-Files to watch, it's really enjoyable. But I think a lot of it is that I'm just, I'm digging more than anything Roland's performance, and I'm kind of digging the setting. Yeah, for setting, one of the things I like about this episode is I like the idea of scientists. <clears throat> when, whenever Scully says in this episode something about industrial espionage, that just gets me hard. I love the idea of these guys stumbling upon a tech and then getting assassinated or somebody's coming after that that's a very it's funny we're teasing it as james bond but it almost has a james bond way about it but i like the idea of researchers being targeted who are working on something and then roland displaying skill like he's pulling a goodwill hunting kind of thing like equations and shit you know yeah i like that half goodwill hunting half uh rain man right exactly that's right um i I like his performance it's pretty interesting that nola kind of just gets away in the end Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess he, he kind of just walks. He's gonna <laughs> yeah. make. He's gonna get the research, and he's gonna be successful. Yeah, but, and Roland <clears throat> is the only human being character that actually ends up worse off from it. And right, he's the only one that doesn't fucking deserve it. Right, of course. I mean, except for some of those doctors that died, they didn't really deserve that either. Right, maybe not death, but definitely a, a, an ass kicking. Yeah, sure. But I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that's one of the things about this episode that's interesting is that out, you know, like, like the setting is good. The performance from Roland is awesome. I actually like Mulder and Scully's involvement. I like Mulder's interactions with Roland. I like to see the empathy because a lot of times we say Mulder struggles with this and he's just good with Roland. I like those moments. But what, what, where it starts to break down a little bit, which is why I'm, I'll just spoiler now. It's not a love it for me, but I definitely like it, is that it's... The entire premise is a house of cards, to to use a silly pun from earlier. And that's just to say that you, you we're, we're really going on on a limb to say that these three researchers wouldn't be overjoyed to complete the dead man's research and then credit him posthumously, if that's how you say it, in the research. And then they still all make out anyway, and then the other guy makes out via his estate. But instead, they kind of have to twist it into like evil talky stuff. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like they—they, yeah. they, you would think in a real life, if if that's what I mean, you we suspend our disbelief for aliens and, and psychics and and shit like this, but but we, it's a stretch to ask me to suspend my disbelief that that this guy who passed away suddenly is hopeful that his research makes it somewhere. Because what is he saying? He wants his research to die with him. Wouldn't he want his colleagues to go on and and champion his name? And wouldn't they also want to do that as human beings? And Yes, I know there are scumbags in the world, but and, and yes, maybe my, one might in a press conference claim more credit than he than he maybe deserves. But that's just kind of where the rubber meets the road for me. 
feels like it'll be really easy just to tweak the story a tiny bit and make Nolet responsible for Grable's death. Right. Sure. Sure. It's yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Just all right. So you make him make him the clear cut bad guy. And you make Grable, even though, like, yeah, there's a little bit of collateral damage, you make him more of a vengeful, vengeful spirit. Yeah, you, you know, maybe Nolet's fucking Arthur's wife. It causes <laughs> strife, right? A little bit of strife goes there, and, and Nolet sees himself getting cut out of this project. He knows he ain't got the chops because he's not in this, not this particular actor, but he's the good-looking guy. He doesn't have the creativity, though. So he sees, he sees himself getting cut out, so he murders the guy. Next thing you know, he's back from the dead, fucking Akira-style. And uh, he possesses his brother, um, which makes it just a total utter tragedy, tragedy at that point because he's using his brother as a patsy. But can I say one thing that's really cool about this? Yeah. There is something wildly awesome in science fiction about a head in a jar using telepathy. That's <laughs> yeah. fucking rad. That's some Akira shit to me. That's like <laughs> space shit. Like there's a head frozen in a jar. It's not conscience conscious but it's it, it's like uh it's like antediluvian vampires right controlling shit from their slumber <laughs> that torpor. yeah dude i just imagine this head just told, oh that's kind of neat i like it but I it's like, cool that it, it, it's not full-blown telepathy it only can right. work through this connection he has with his twin sure sure yeah. yeah i think they say that pretty they 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 at least point evidence to the to this yeah and no let shutting the head off god damn so anyway the open yeah. you want to get to that yeah, let's jump right, right take, into it. Take me through uh, rolling, struggling to yeah, get the so door open. We show up. It's a Mayhem Propulsion Lab up in uh, Washington in- Institute of Technology in Washington State. Yep. Um, and we see uh, a janitor kind of pushing the mop around and uh, gets over to Coded Door. And very quickly we see that this is... He's disabled. Guy. He's mentally yeah. disabled, for sure. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and he's having a hard time getting access and this is dickhead move one Keats, right? Yep. Keats. He's the guy that gets liquid nitrogen. He's such a dick, (laughs) such a fucking piece of shit to this guy. You know, like we say crazy shit on the science fiction film podcast, right? In, in, in making jokes, but then there's just cruelty. And like, this guy is just being cruel to this poor guy. And I want to fucking mash his face into the door or into a, Yes, or or bet Roland's like no no let's go to the next step <laughs> fucking let's t two this guy in the goddamn thing you know what I mean I love it yeah so you're looking forward to his death already a little foreshadowing for sure and um, they start running this test and they're it's a jet engine lab and they're trying to get this uh, experimental engine up to Mach fifteen correct so I guess it's more of like so Mach is a speed. You know, Mach 1 yep. is the speed of sound. I'm sure most people know that. So, and I guess what they're measuring is probably the wind movement, because obviously the engine's not moving. So that's what they're testing, I'm assuming, is the actual passage of air through it. So they're trying to get air to move through that engine at 15 times the speed of sound. Which Pretty is awesome. fucking absolutely bonkers. Um, and they're doing this test, and... Uh, Cernow, another one of the docs, he's he's like the conservative one. He backs it down, he shuts it down. Before they get to that point, they, these docs have this argument. Um, they're, they're conser- one's conservative, one's a little more liberal in terms of pushing forward. Yeah, we got to go for it. We're, we're wasting time. The other guy's like, we can't risk damaging this thing and setting ourselves back. And the other one's like, if we don't get the test done, then there goes our funding and everything. So, all right, cool. Like, that's that's a cool little premise. 
Um, and then it kind of breaks up, and they all step away except for Cernow, uh, actually, who is not the douchey one. He's a conservative one. Yep. And he's there. He's working on some stuff on his own, and he goes into the room. The door shuts, <laughs> and then Roland, open the door. Yeah, Roland's working the computer. Awesome. As the engine fires back up, the door is sealed from the inside, and we get this like kind of silly, like physical acting, like he's trying. Chorus, to... Of course, of course. <laughs> by the way, make a better room where you can step off to the side of that engine. Yeah, I was thinking just here, in case. Yeah, maybe <laughs> like duck down and lay your body uh, like in the corner. For like, sure, there's... some sort of gate between you and the consoles you have to operate. <laughs> should things get weird. Right. Only air has to pass through. So you right. no need to be able to allow a human-sized object <laughs> into the jet engine. Um, but, uh, yeah, my favorite part, too, I watched this one with subtitles on, with captions. Dude, it's the best, isn't it? Splat. <laughs> That's all I was like, holy shit. Um, Want to hear some cool trivia? Yeah. The NASA X-43. Pegasus rocket booster accelerating NASA X-43A reaches Mach 9.6. That's, yeah, that's an aircraft. <laughs> Are you still awake in there, Mr. Pilot? <laughs> it's, for record, it's, it's somewhere between 12,000 miles an hour, or excuse me, 7,680 miles per hour is around Mach 10. So do the math. Damn. Yeah. 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 What's pretty, Mach 1's like 762, I pretty, think. So. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. Pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know a ton about um, like actual jet engine shit. I know like a uh, scramjet is a type of jet that's like a, uh, it might be, uh, I don't think it's in design in any, definitely not any military aircraft, but that's supposed to be like a next echelon. But, but still, there's nothing close to what these guys are are actually trying to work on here. Yeah. There's some cool videos of the uh, X-43. I highly recommend it. Nice. So, uh, Splat. Splat. <laughs> so, opening credits. But, the, but my favorite part about this most gangster shit of all time, Roland just starts mopping again. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he probably got a lot to mop up. Pretty awesome, man. Pretty <laughs> awesome. He's like, eh, whatever. The funny thing is, walk, the, the cut is just comically amazing. Roland walks past the observation window as Cernow flies past him into the turbine. And then he comes back from the, into the frame mopping. <laughs> That's just funny, man. Like whoever shot that is hilarious. I like that guy. There's a, there's a few great, like just darkest black comedy kind of beats in this. Uh, in David, this David Nutter did the directing. Pretty cool. Yeah. So opening credits. Opening credits. And um, I like how we come back. I enjoy when Mulder and Scully have conversations that aren't even, yep. they're just like about their lives. Pretty cool. And it doesn't relate to any bigger part of the episode that comes back. I just like that. I like that mm-hmm. little thrown in there that shows that these are two characters that are living like full lives. Some fuller than others. Scully definitely fuller than Mulder. Right, but right. He's asking mm-hmm. about the wedding you went to. and Grim um, passing out or something, right? Yeah. Hmm. And then they get right on to the Icarus project. Right. Which is this, this whole thing we're looking at here. And Cernow is the second doc to die in the last six months. Hmm. Uh, what do you think about um, Scully's uh, spider sense starts tingling, doesn't it? Instantly. Because she's concerned Mulder is... A crazy person. Yeah, and about to drop a hard A. 
<laughs> to drop that hard air. That old alien tech. Oh, boy. Well, there's like, no, 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 no. Nope. No, I'm not saying that. Not saying that. Um, Keats is like almost annoyed at their presence. It's tough being a super genius and you have to mix with these commoners, you know? Tough yeah. world for Keats. How does he deal with it? Yeah, really annoying to talk to FBI agents after one of your one of your peers was just absolutely yeah. minced. He's just seeing like his share of the of the money going up. <laughs> <laughs> Their Icarus Project startup. He gets cut in for a bigger percentage now. <laughs> right. But there but there you go. Like there's the motivation that the episode actually lacks. Right. The real the like money, prestige. Yeah, and like it does you know, Keats seems to be happy enough to watch his compatriots die off, but he's not the one doing it. Right. Right. He's just the asshole that ever kind of comes out the other end. He's he's a he's a he's a he's a coward. Right? That's his thing. He like he wants this and he was he's hopeful for this to happen. He would never, of course, try to make it happen, but he doesn't give a shit if it does kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, so um they get the spiel here. There's not a lot. Um they ask about Doc Grable. Um so we meet, we get a little bit more with Dr. Keats, and we also get um, Nolet. Dr. Nolet here. Yep. Um, Not Dr. Nolet. The only other person present, though, at the time, because both of them were gone, was Roland. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keats with a line, huh? Oh, boy. Hey, Keats, go fucking jump into a vat of liquid nitrogen. He feels like you get the impression he just thinks Roland is a nuisance. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he couldn't, he can't stand him. Ugh. He has no zero empathy for the fact that, you know, this guy's doing a job. He's doing what, the best he can with the life he's been given. Correct. And it's just, yeah, just. Uh, Doesn't care. Yeah, not a lot of sympathy for Nolet. Yeah, he's got too many more important things to do. But um, all Mulder and Scully kind of have to go for is that. Uh, got to talk to Roland. Talk to Roland. Yeah. And this is the first time. The opening, we don't really see him doing a lot. It's all, like, physically. But this is the first time we really get to see uh, Ivanic here. Um, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. we should also mention, we're, we're, we're pushing forward here, but we should probably mention that Mulder spotted what he considered the different handwriting on the whiteboard. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and and when, when he started on that, I was like, oh, stop, Mulder. You know everything. You, you know the equations off. But then he made a handwriting reference. I was like, oh, thank God. I was about to get really mad at the show. Like, oh, he knows everything. Right, of course. He just spotted the difference in the handwriting. A rudimentary difference. Then he, then, then he brings it to the, to the real expert later. But um, yeah, so off they go to a, a, I think they call it a Heritage Halfway House. Is that the name of the place? Yep, Heritage Halfway House. Yep. Roland's making a little, uh, little drawing yep. for... Tracy with with stars. It's fucking adorable. Come on, it's wicked adorable. He makes her a piece of art, and then we meet Miss Stody. I believe is her name. Stody, yeah. Yep, she's uh, seems pretty protective. They ask. Go ahead. I'll just say we should get out of the way. I'm not remotely an expert in uh, mental handicaps. Drink. Um, there, there, there was a couple episode, a uh, couple comments on the on the Facebook page about. Some kind of, uh, you know, what exactly was he, you know, were his limitations? What's the affliction? What's the affliction? Yeah, I, I don't know. And, like, maybe that's just, like, my ignorance makes it acceptable for me. But I thought he just did a fucking great job portraying 
this character, whatever the specifics were, you know, mm-hmm. the only specific things we hear is that he has a sub 70 IQ. Um, there, right. there are no other terms brought up. There's nothing about the spectrums nothing about any of that. They kind of talk about autism in the sense of they, they bring up the idea of the savant, you know, um, kind of aspect, but mm-hmm. that doesn't even get reflected completely back on him. Um, but yeah, man, it's just a great, great performance that he that he gives. I think from what he had to work with, and I should say one of the things um, you can see in the the production notes right there on IMDb or wherever else is that uh, Carter and a lot of other people involved with the show just felt that the this was a a weak script coming right in. They, I think, I think it might have been Carter specifically who said that th- he thought this was the weakest starting script of any of season one. Um, but Ivanik's reading, uh, just sold him on, on his ability to form this character. And I think that's what elevates it over a ton of other episodes in season one. Sure. Um, the chat is screaming about why no surveillance in this place. That's a pretty good point. Yeah. You'd think yeah. there'd be some kind of security footage. Security footage and also just like, yeah, it's a top... It, it, it's got to be a high, high level lab. Like it has to be right because if we're ta- like, if for Scully to bring up the opportunity of of competition to commit industrial espionage and sabotage, it this isn't just a walk in the place and, and just hop over the turnstile kind of joint, right? And we see that later on. There's literally an armed guard at the front door with sure. like doors. So yeah, that's kind of just a writing thing. You can't, you know, if, if you see everything going on there, right. it's not going to work. So. And yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, Roland and Tracy, Miss Stody instructs Mulder and Scully, introduces, excuse me, bad writing. They ask him about strangers. They ask him about the doctor's behavior. Roland uh, counts the stars on Scully's shirt, and that's fucking awesome. 147. 147. Boom. Mulder's like, awesome. You like numbers, right? Mulder's like, aliens. Get this guy's brain checked out. He's got an alien in there. But um, it gets a little it gets a little tense for Roland. Yeah, the, when numbers in particular get brought up, mm. he kind of has uh, he has some flashes here. And I'd I th- call it an episode. An episode. Yep. Yeah. This is a Roland episode. I think what he sees is uh, doesn't he see Doctor Keats going in the old deep? Oh race? boy, does he ever see? The liquid polymer terminator being frozen <laughs> face first. Yeah. Do you know how stupid I am? <laughs> I like I've I've said the word and used it and watched Terminator 2. I can't even tell you how many times liquid nitrogen, Jason X, liquid nitrogen. I couldn't think of it to save my life today. I was liquid like nitrogen? Yep, couldn't think of it. I was like, it's if I, I said I'm not gonna log on to this podcast and call it dry ice. <laughs> so what the fuck is that shit called again? And then they show the barrel later, the liquid nitrogen. I was like, thank God, because I didn't want to look it up. I was so mad I didn't want to look it up. I was so angry. The actual prop they used causing the... Correct, correct. The <laughs> you know, in every fucking 94 goth industrial club, dry ice. Every <laughs> night's dry ice night. But uh, yeah, I was like, what is... Oh, God, and I, I refused to Google it. I was so angry with myself. Well, good for you for your, you know, sticking it out. I did. But the, the episode had to tell me. So I read it one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Roland has a little episode here. And then we get on to this, um, what do you call mm-hmm. it? Handwriting analyst? I call it a beautiful woman. <laughs> Lisa Dole. 
smoke show. Look at her IMDb if you don't believe me. Um, it's a uh, fourth individual, she confirms. Right, but That's, it is it is not Roller. Correct. That's because amazing. Because grabs that scrap of paper. Sneaky. And that's a nice little exception right there because that's exactly what you expect because you you saw Roland writing on the board, I think, in the in the pre-credit sequence. And the fact that she's like, nope, it doesn't match. It's not him. Then that's like a, whoa, what? Yeah. I like it. Very cool. Um, Mulder, uh, excuse me, Scully doubts his sophistication with fluid dynamics equations, right? As well. Yeah. Yeah, this is where Mulder is like, I've seen Rain Man, this is possible. Mm -hmm. Totally. And she says, some savants behave only as human. By the way, Scully, that's not entirely sensitive. The way she just says, savants behave only as human calculators. (laughs) What the fuck? They can form functions, you know, pee and poop, but they just do math all day. It's kind (laughs) of what she's saying. Come on, Scully. Yeah. I mean, but she doesn't get down to brass tacks at like, Mulder, it is no way practical that Correct. this man that we've now met and interacted with is writing and solving those equations. Doesn't add up. Um, so, let's get down to my second favorite Dude. caption of the episode. <laughs> well, a quick, ro- a quick look in on Roland's dreams leading up to the killing of Keats, basically. Yeah. But let's yep. talk about a glorious, and I'm going to go ahead and say righteous death. A righteous kill, if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, Bobby, put his head in the freezer. <laughs> Keats at the lab. Jason X style. Hell yeah. Well, he's working late, he's got his headphones in. You're just asking to get stabbed in the back. Do you hear the music? He listens to like classic rock jams. Yeah, of course. Look at him. I'd expect some like, He had a muscle car back in high school. I'd expect some Schumann. <laughs> Could I get some Copeland, please? I'm the big open plains, the western sound I like. Yeah, like a little light post baroque kind of class. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! But no, yeah, he's not. He's not. He couldn't handle Bach. It's too. It's too much. He needs yep. something a little more swirly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he's got his headphones on, rocking out, and Roland just kind of slinks in. By the way, he hears the lock. That was crazy. Yeah. Here's a lock and then somehow like misses him actually coming in. Right. Maybe he's like, ah, maybe I didn't hear anything. Roland goes ninja. Dude, ninja. And, hey, uh, smash. Oh, boy. I gotta, can I just say something? Yeah. The only unrealistic part of this about this episode, besides their motivations, is that Roland would be wearing Velcro shoes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to say with that. Take it as you will. But you all know what I'm talking about. And that's it. Let's go right to the head freezing. The head freezing and is the toss back. Incredible. And that noise in the caption. Go rolling. Yes. Shattering. Shattering. And then when <laughs> when Roland starts walking away, crunching. Crunching. He steps on his fucking ear, dude. <laughs> yes. That's the best, dude. <laughs> That is so fucking gangster it's to kill so somebody like gangster. that and then to like literally grind pieces of their head into dust. Under your floor. feet. Yes, dude. Oh, man. It's terrific. <laughs> Powerful. Yeah. Roland, it might be kill of the season. You know what? It, it might, really might be kill of the be. season. It's up there, dude. <laughs> it might be. He does it with such ruthless efficiency. Yep. 
Like yeah, it's in this in this and I'm not making fun of his disability, but it's it has a chimpanzee quality to it. Like just a matter of fact, I'm gonna murder you now. And I don't really think much about it. I just do it and then drag you away and step across your corpse. It's great. Yep. Yes. Go Roland. Scoring for the good guys. But um yeah. Crime scene, naturally. This is my other favorite visual is the uh the chalk outline it's so goofy looking it's so goofy with like <laughs> it's the full body and then the head is just open and there's lots of like little pieces of tape around little pieces of head Dude. like it's so ridiculous that they would tape it off like that <laughs> i like it though i like it uh, oh man it's silly but what are you gonna do here we are at the same place but it's now the second crime scene Mm. Things are getting weird. Get mm. You didn't even bring up why uh, well, it never comes up in the episode, actually, now that I think about it. Why this even pinged off their desk as an X-File in the first place. It is never really brought up. It's probably something Mulder just heard about and then sent them on a wild goose chase because he's Mulder. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, um, A file was worked on for five hours after, or maybe four or five hours Post Keats' death. So it wasn't something he was doing, right? So Correct. somebody accessed his computer and worked on it based on rigor mortis. Mulder offers a password, which is the number sequence he pulled off of Roland's art. Yes. Yes. I dig it. Yep. That's it, some police work, dude. Yeah. Actual police work. Actual police work, right? It's not it had, just some fucking whimsy. Had that but, Dr. Strangelove look like the when he wrote like. <laughs> Your essence, like over and over, like cross and cross. It's awesome. Like, he did the same way with the numbers. Roland did, I mean, and um, yeah, gets us in, and it sees that it is um, it's Arthur Grable's log. Old Artie Graves. Old AG. AG car accident death man. Yep. The real piece of work. The guy who wants to torture his his twin disabled brother. Piece of shit. I fucking hate this guy. Well, anyway. Mulder's like, hey, check it. Here's where I got the password. And then that's kind of where it stops on the reveal. And we shoot over to Roland's dreams. Yeah. The only other thing is that not only did he work on it for five hours after the death that night, it was worked on. It's being worked on for the last six weeks. All, right, all right. post his death. So right. it's not, yep. not just a one-time thing. This work has been continuing in his absence. So Pretty cool. Yeah, we're back to rolling with another episode. What monsters? They're continuing his important research after his death. <laughs> what villains? <laughs> Fuck, man. Anyway, this time we see some little kids, so we're getting a little more information on the backstory here. Yeah. And this is yep. important. Um, we see two children that look exactly alike. Yeah, and I don't think we hear any of their dialogue at this point. It's just right. all, it's all visual. It's just trying to figure out which one is which. One kid getting pulled away from another kid, getting put in a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Good family, Roland. Yeah. The good old Grable, the Grable clan. Grable clan. Uh, and Roland comes out of this episode, and he's sleeping in his bed at the old Heritage Halfway House in his work clothes. Yep, he is. Before that, can I just say how hilarious it is that they froze that guy's head at negative 320 degrees, which is what Arthur's head is frozen at? <laughs> That's kind of awesome, actually. True. <laughs> I just saw the dialogue. Scully's talking about negative 320s, what it would take to cause the shattering. Could have been cryopreserved if you hadn't bounced it off the linoleum afterwards. 
Oops. Well, like you said, Roland's in his in his work digs. Um, yeah. And you, you talked about this in, the, in um, kind of our no, opening impressions here, but um, Mulder's interaction. <sighs> so good. Awesome. It's so good. Awesome. What did you, yeah, what did you, so, I just I just want to give Mulder a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not, and you can see it. And here's where Duchovny is pretty solid. You can see it's not. Yeah, he wants to solve the case, but. Mulder has a bit of the protector in him, right? He just he just sometimes struggles with empathy because he's so driven. But I think we see this good side of Mulder, this 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 pure and, and caring and compassionate side of him when he interacts with Roland, which is something I really liked about this episode. Yeah. Um, of course, Miss Stody takes care of him. She's a she's a good dead mother, but um, and she's like you know these are nice people, and Mulder says oh um. Let me help you pick out a shirt, right? He, yeah. That's awesome. It's cute, man. Like the whole He's talking to him like a fucking person too. Like it's not so many people I see this a lot where I work. I, I I see quite a few mentally handicapped people where I work. And it's funny watching people not know how to interact with them and just get afraid. I just dude, just talk to them normally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need to do. It's fine. That's all you need to do. And that's what Mulder kind of does here. And yeah, you go a little slow and yes. Certain things might not make sense. And yes, they might say shit you don't really understand. You got to kind of piece it together. But, you know, it's still a fucking person. So try better. Try harder. And that's what Mulder <laughs> does here. You know what I mean? It's cool. It's funny. Now, you know, I'm thinking about it as you were talking. And, you know, Mulder does <clears throat> lack empathy, as we've so often pointed out at times. But I think what he lacks empathy for is any anyone that is a strong person or any kind of position of strength he can Correct. only seem to summon his empathy for um people that are you know either the huddled they, masses right yeah they're, they're they're a loner or they're disadvantaged or they're a victim or whatever that, that's the only times that we see Mulder's empathy really come through and, it, and it's good here this whole thing and he, he tends to and we talked about this a little bit you and i before but the, the other thing Mulder's kind of bad at is he is willing to sacrifice he's willing to put things that are sacred to you on the line for the truth when they might not be sacred to him do you know what i mean like he doesn't he doesn't always have good empathy when he's like the truth needs to be known you're like but it'll ruin my daughter's life he's like but that's the truth but isn't that what she would want no right right exactly no it's not trust me i know or you don't that's sometimes where he lacks but like you said i i think that's a good observation that a a lot of times it's with it's not with authoritative figures. Um, it's it's much so more. He's he's a, he he um, he rallies to the underdog. I guess is an easy way to say it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, this this whole interaction is good. And um, Scully talking to Mustody in the meantime. How to get the job, right? Yeah. And Mulder asking him about Grable right here. He asks Roland about Grable. I think he shows him a picture. I believe here. Um, or no, no, no. I think it just Not comes yet. up how to get the job. And Roland says something about, you know, then people he, die. He died. People die. And then they're not supposed to come back. There ain't no coming back. This is the really real world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's an instant shivers down the spine moment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Like, like, all right, we got something going on here. Mm-hmm. Something's happening. Uh, they get the file. Yes. She asks, right. Miss Doty says it's confidential, and Scully kind of says, listen, 
The less time we spend in court, the more time we spend helping Roland. I was like, yeah, yeah okay, like, yeah. powerful Scully. Manipulative, but kind of true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cut and, through the red tape. And Stody has no reason to distrust them at this point. She's been very cooperative. No, she's just being protective of Roland. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. Miss Stody, she, she's a salt-of-the-earth kind of woman here. She's a, she is. She's, a, she's good people. I approve. Um, but what they get from the file is somewhat limited. Um, the, the They're looking over at the same time, Mulder and Scully here, looking over Roland's file and Dr. Grable's file. And what they find that they put together is they have the same birth date. First, it's Grable hired Roland. You're right. Grable right. hired Roland. Um, Roland's, all his info on his birth parents are sealed. Scully uh, says the shit like, are you suggesting? Because that, because... Because Mulder's like, oh, he handpicked him as a mentally challenged person. Scully's like, are you suggesting they hire, he hired him so he could use him somehow? Yeah. That's fucking intense. That's some dark shit. Mm. And but yeah, like you said, D.O.B. You do have to kind of wonder, though, looking back on things, like, because Grable's kind of a piece of shit. He's such a piece of shit. What was his motivation? It's not like he was a he's a good person that you're like, oh, he was just helping out his brother. No. You didn't reach out to your brother for like four or five decades as he was rotting away in a halfway house. Then you bring him into your little, your lab here as a janitor. But we, I think we're led to believe, at least I personally do, that Roland maybe didn't even know that Grable was his brother. I don't think Roland is hiding that. I don't think he was aware, but I think Grable was aware. There's a lot there. Do you, I mean that? That's a whole. I like it. I think. I think you can do. But I think you can do something with that because this is where it gets into a, a, an inability or, or a lack of desire, or a lack of timing, or just just they they couldn't manage. I guess writing this to encapsulate some of those more interesting points because maybe you know what what would be the reason for him to hire him? It, is it to help him out? No, because it's not made it clear. He hasn't seen him in how long. And I like the point of Roland maybe not even knowing. It was his brother. Yeah. But this is where you can flesh a lot of this stuff out. You know, like I said, you could flesh out, you could flesh out motivations for some of the animosity to, to the point where they're okay with murder and, and guys just popping off. Like, they, they don't even care. Like, right. it'd be cool if there's more interpersonal things to cause this strife, these long projects where you work with, the edit, with, the, with these guys for a long time and one guy's not up to snuff and the other guy is and it causes like like the I was joking around saying the guy's fucking his wife but something some shit like that like get in there a little and give yeah. us some motivating circumstances that we could get behind right some high quality backstory like in Born Again yeah for yeah. sure like exactly like that <laughs> exactly like the that. greatest episode ever <laughs> and I'm sorry <laughs> corrected by Danny Faust in the chat um, I used the J word uh, it's facilities maintenance professional so as uh, I was God, is that some sort of microaggression to say janitor? I'm sure it is. It's such a better word, though. I'd rather be a janitor than a fucking whatever. Would you rather be a steward or a airline attendant? Steward sounds badass. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like I'm in control of Gondor or some shit. <laughs> Running the, <laughs> the workings of a court. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But um. Back to it here. Meanwhile, Scully talks to Stody, right? She asks for the, the file. Oh, we already did this. I'm sorry. We, we get that. Yep. Let's get right back to Roland and Tracy. I like it. Doing some um, doodling. A little doodling. And uh, don't you wish you could fly? I can when I dream. People can do anything in a dream, you know. One time I had a dream. We were married and in a house. 
my heart breaks, Josh. Yeah. Do you have dreams, Roland? Because can I just say something right now? Can we be real dark for a minute? <laughs> I've seen Green Mile. <laughs> yeah. And I know shortly after the federal agents leave, old uh, Roland hears that fateful call. Roll on one. They're firing up that chair. For murder. You think the fucking science is going to go down? Nah. No. No. Yeah, sad. Anyway, he puts his head down. He's, of course, affected by her words. Yeah. And uh, he has a vision of strangling Tracy. Oh, boy. That's some dark shit right there. Oof. Yeah, it is. And I'm not talking about, like, light roleplay choking. <laughs> I'm talking about full-on, full-mount Ted Bundy strangle. <laughs> like the kind you don't come back from. Yeah, and and I like this because we we now we saw we saw those images in his mind of of Keith's head going in the old deep freeze, and then we saw Rowan do that after the fact. Sure. And now we see kind of the same thing this episode, and he's seeing him strangle Tracy, and then we see him fighting it, freaking out, freaking the fuck out, running upstairs, hiding oh, yeah. in the bathroom, and poor Tracy, man, she doesn't mm. know what to do doesn't know what to do, but she wants to help. That's her instincts. She's a person. Yep. And then he locks himself away and he's yelling, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. Oh, boy. Great. Yeah. So uh, that's a whole thing. Um, It's <laughs> 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 about all we get from them, though, right here. Because then we're right back to uh, Mulder and Scully go back to uh, No Let. Correct. Yep. Uh, no Let, boy. He talks, quantum physics professor of mine flunked me, Harvey Mudd. He's talking about the cool, like they took apart the car, put it back together in the guy's room. That's kind of awesome. I like that shit. Um, he goes on to say, to get back at him, I already said that, it was Gravel's idea. He was good at elaborate schemes. Okay. And the Mueller says, could he be making it seem like a man with a 7 IQ was getting access to and operating his old computer files? Hey, Mulder, way to <laughs> lay your cards on the table, pal. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Dude, we we said it before. Zero guile. None. No guile. He's a terrible poker player. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I think my two pair will probably be whatever you have. Yeah. Arthur. Uh, Oh, he says, no less says, Arthur would still have to be alive, right? Question mark. You're talking to a rational scientist here. (laughs) Come on, dude. I'm not Scully. Yeah. I'm not going to put up with your shit. Uh, Yeah. He's not, when, uh, not impressed, and this leads right back to... Uh, facts you know, about the accident. Facts about the accident. There seems to be some things missing. There wasn't a proper autopsy. So now, I like that up to this point, you're still kind of like, okay, like, Grable could be alive. All right. Like, there's there's not a lot of good evidence of his death. Mulder's obviously hot on this he faked his death thing. Mm-hmm. No, it drops a bomb. His head is frozen. Mm-hmm. Right to Walt Disney Studios. Hell yeah. He's right next to Walt. Yeah. Yeah, frozen head. Negative 320 degrees. Mm, it's chilly. We meet uh, a, a doctor. Who cares? Yeah. The, 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 the head freezer. <laughs> the old head freezer. Old doc head freeze. There's some light fluctuations going on with the temperature in Grable's uh, little head tank. Yep. That's okay. Nothing Nothing to concern ourselves with. No, I'm sure that won't come into play later. <laughs> I would be like, is this shit on a surge protector? Because you got battery backup on this shit. 
I don't like the way this voltage is jumping around here. Yeah. Not good. How many years did he pay for in advance? How does that work? <laughs> do, you lease a, do you lease your little head tank? Do you pay in perpetuity? That I wonder a, how the financials of that work. Do you want to know? Kind of. Do you have any answer? Of course. The computer tells me. <laughs> um, let's see. Cryonics. The cost of cryonics. Prices with organization can be as much as $200,000 or more for whole body and 80000 for a neuro. That's a nice way. That's a nice euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> for your head in a fucking The decap jar. option is a little less, right? <laughs> um, with CIA whole body cryopreservation costs 28000 as little as 28000 rendering an alternative neuro option unnecessary. That's, that's the bargain one. You don't that's want not bad. Yeah, you don't want, yeah, you don't want to be the guy in the bargain bin. When it comes to getting your head cut off and frozen, you definitely want a spring. You want to work a couple extra summers before yeah. you uh, get in on that shit. A couple more paper routes, guys, is what I'm telling you. Anyway, fluctuations. I'm sure that's nothing. Well, yeah, no big deal. No biggie. Um, they then ask a question about organ donor. Oh, I missed that. I don't have that written down, do I? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. They didn't ask the question. They, did, they see it. Um, oh, Yeah. Mulder saw it on the file, on Grable's file uh, in the cryo lab that Got Roland is listed as a um, possible organ, organ donor. Dude. <laughs> hey, Josh, I hope you don't mind, but I just said I could have your heart if you die. Is that fine? Like, what the fuck? Can it, do you want to take me out? Can we go get coffee? I don't think it works that way. <laughs> You say, okay, you can use my organs. You don't say like, you know what? I can use his organs. <laughs> it's like taking life insurance policies out on people. What? <laughs> it's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Didn't really think of how ridiculous that was. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we better go see Roland yet again. Right. They're back to Roland here. Um, uh, he asks him about his dreams. He's trying to get info on the dreams and... And Roland says, I dreamed I was in a pool. I could see... Oh, no, no. Jesus Mulder Christ. Says. Mulder says, I dreamed I was swimming in a pool. I could see my father underwater. When I dove down, the water stung my eyes. There was another man in the pool. Watch me. He upset me. He was asking me questions I did not want to answer. I had to leave. I couldn't find my father. Exactly. So this is... I like this. This is... That ties in later. Very cool. This is very... Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of wreck on that to make it work, but that totally... If you've seen enough of the mythology, that's what you think of. Like that's a really good catch. Man and his father had were had a very close relationship, and uh, that's kind of cool. This is very I think cool. this is Ben uh, BP BP nine thousand gave me a heads up on that. That this is the really first good. mention. A um, couple family things. First mention of um, Scully's brothers, which comes up shortly, mm-hmm. and also of Mulder's father. Nice mentioned in the show. I like um I like this stuff with Mulder. I like the disclosing to build rapport. This is yep. this is this is building rapport one oh one. Yep. You don't think this is bullshit for a second, right? No. He's hundred percent telling telling Roland. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. This this happens I can only equate it to the sales world, which is a lot of times if you are uh, they tell you to to do certain things, but then when you are genuinely interested in somebody's issue and you're really truthfully attempting to to recommend a solution, you're way more successful if you're just being honest. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of him here. Yes, we know that the alternative, we, we know that the motive for Mulder is information, but at the same time, he does care and he is genuinely interested in, in, in trying to help this guy. And he talks to him and he discloses things to him. Um, 
it's cool with with the fact that you just gave that that Ben mind for us. It's cool that it's cool that he first reveals it to the whole audience to him to Roland of all people to Roland. It's awesome. Yeah. But anyway, your dreams are bad, Roland. Not you. You're a good person. And he just says, I hit Tracy. Your dreams made you hit Tracy. And then he goes on to the fucking robot shit, the remote control toy, and he explains it. Wasn't a remote control a UFO? That's what it looked like to me. And I was like, of course. Of course. course." (laughs) Mulder's eyes light up looking across the room. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, But this is is fucking cool. One of my favorite moments in the episode. How, like, (laughs) you know Mulder saw that in a... It's his way of trying to communicate this. Like he had this whole thing planned. He turns on the toy. Do you know how to use this, Roland? He has him, you know, operate it just so he can say the way you're controlling that toy is the way that the dreams are trying to control you. Yep. Which is a leap, which is a big leap. Yeah, of course. But it's Mulder. So, of course, he's he's right. He's Mr. Big Leap. Um, And I like how Roland has... The wherewithal to say who runs the controls. Yep. And he shows him an image of the Unabomber. (laughs) (laughs) This fucking guy. Have you seen this man? And Roland has another meltdown and actually escapes from the premises. Yeah, bust the Which is super dangerous because he's probably going to run into traffic or hurt himself, right? Yeah, it's not good. It's not good for him to be, especially in, in his current mental state, which is not stable because he's been triggered by something. Hmm. Too bad. Yeah. And, uh, Mulder. Mulder just, must feel so shitty because he's doing so well. But he doesn't because he just starts pitching theories. Of course, because he's Mulder. <laughs> he's Mulder. His empathy wears off and he goes right back into Truthland. Yeah. Deep, dark, <laughs> deep in truth field. Because <laughs> they go back to Mayhem propulsion, right? Yeah, but on the way or before we get there, he, he or I think, maybe, I guess, when they are there. Yeah, they're in the hallway. Yep, I'm sorry. He's talking to Scully about uh, the psychic connections and how he's a believer and they're stronger with family and they're strongest with identical twins. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ever be thinking of one sibling and then I forgot the phone and that one's calling you and you're, come on, Mulder. Come on, buddy. It's a stretch. Stretching it out. Here we go. But the point is the familia bonus for telepathy. Plus yep. three. Plus three. I made that up. <laughs> but um, I like it. We can go probably with plus four. It's probably the same as a druid's bonus um, to handle an animal with their animal companion. Oh, holy shit. That was nerdy. Plus four. You're probably right. Plus four. Yeah, it's definitely right. <clears throat> um, Mulder goes on to... Oh, Scully reminds Mulder that Grable is frozen. He is not dead. What if in, in the state allows someone to establish psychic ability to a potential... Okay, here's this word salad. Are you ready? Oh God! What if that state allows someone to establish psychic ability to a potential that the conscious mind is too preoccupied to explore or believe in? You get that? <laughs> Don't you sometimes, like, almost spitefully, just want Mulder to be completely fucking wrong when he comes out with shit like that? Constantly, he needs <laughs> the humility. <laughs> he wicked does. He's constantly reinforcing <laughs> his own ability to make these absurd, like, leaps. He could use that. Ab- right. He could use that ability to control his brother to kill those scientists, Scully. But why? She asked logically. Yeah, should have asked that question to the writers. Correct. He worked with those people for years. Yes, 
Yes, he. At that point in the dialogue, the writer goes, "Oh fuck, <laughs> written myself into a corner here, haven't I?" Backspace, backspace, backspace. <laughs> oh fuck, I don't want to do this. Thing's due tomorrow. <laughs> I am out of fucking scotch, so it's going up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they determine only Nolak can answer this question because he's the last one alive. So let's uh, let's go see him. Well, here's the thing. No, that's missing. And Dean, remember how we commented how inside the super highly protected um, experimental jet engine lab, there are no surveillance cameras. Because <laughs> the same surveillance, the same surveillance company did the one for the head freeze in place. Well, yeah, because they put them in the hallway. Same security. We see Nolet watching Mulder and Scully talking outside in the hallway. So he sees and hears everything. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. He goes real. This he goes, is, he goes, he suddenly becomes a Bond villain. He is 100% a Bond villain. That guy didn't even own a trench coat. He stops by it like a premium outlet place. A London Fog. London Fog, 100%. Yep. He's like, get, can I get the one with the red inside? <laughs> ah, it's a little much. Don't go red yet. Make that your second mission. <laughs> Gets the trench coat and uh, I, I guess knows how to break a... He's a hacker. A magnetic card lock with a gum wrapper this is this is the this is smart person problem writing yeah. like rocket scientists are not also hackers because they're smart <laughs> right like, you and, know and they're for sure not espionage agents <laughs> more importantly <laughs> they're not they're not master stealth uh infiltrators yes it's just not it's not in their programming but um no that breaks it uh, by the way how bond is it when he's looking at them through the camera and then he takes his eyeglasses off? What does that mean? Because he has them on in the next scene. I don't know. It's really goofy. That's how he ponders shit, I guess. But Scully, uh, we see... So, so yeah, he's it's causing the temp to drop. I hope that fucking lab ain't in Florida. <laughs> that thing starts bumping. You're going to have fucking head soup in like 20 minutes. Yep. But we see uh, Roland writing two different things at the same time. That's so rad. Yeah, that is fucking cool. He's writing the equations on the one hand, and on the other hand, writing the the graph to map the equations. Dude. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. So Scully gets a couple of birth certificates. Arthur is four minutes older than Roland. Identical twin. Single egg, single sperm. Thank you. Apparently, Roland's disability comes from Arthur's, possibly from Arthur's cell rejection. It could possibly explain Roland's mathematical gift. Possibly, she says, kind of dubiously. Scully gets a call. Arthur Grable's capsule has been hacked. No let question mark, Mulder asks. Mm-hmm. He is still missing. They're aware of this at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, no worries, because uh, Roland's at the controls. Yeah, he is. Roland controlling. Old Roland controlling. Firing up the uh, firing up the engine. And taking it to, oh, a simple Mach 15.13, I believe. Yeah. That's pretty no good. Problem. I do like this, um, like his uh, his attention, his sort of cognizance wavers, sure. cutting back and forth with the temperature fluctuating. Right. As the temperature's rising, Roland seems to have a harder time, you know. Or dropping. Or no, rising. I'm an idiot. Negative. Right. As it's rising, he's yep. losing his ability to focus, and then it, it dips back <laughs> down, kind of stabilizes a bit, and then he gets back to it and finishes the test. And then here is where we have the the... 
the craziest Bond villain moments. Dude, it is outrageous. <laughs> I wrote it down. Oh, boy. No one slinks into the frame, I wrote. <laughs> if I have seen further than other men, it's because I have stood on the shoulders of giants. What? Stop it. <laughs> what are you, Hans Gruber? <laughs> Shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> anyway. But there is nothing. There is... The pistol is just aces. And how do you hold that pistol, Dean? Like a fucking Bond villain, dude. Right. Your elbow at 90 degrees <laughs> The at your fucking side. slide is perpendicular to your chest in four <laughs> inches, pile. Four inches from your chest. <laughs> and nothing makes a Bond villain moment complete dude. Without, without a long series of unneeded. <laughs> yeah, you man. You need to tell your, uh, your victim exactly everything you have done before are doing at this moment and plan to do in the future show versus tell fuck that thank you dr no you may exit stage right there is this body sitting there talking but you're controlling an author you took my work roland manages what good was your work going to do you died before you could publish it exactly it was mine clenched fist i imagine and a brilliant piece, too. When I saw the writing on the board, I knew someone had found the key. Mach 15 was our reach. Our future's guaranteed. You did all the work and I get all the glory? Whoa. That's a bit of a non sequitur. You were yes. doing all right there. And then you were like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> Dude, I bought you a fucking sub on Tuesday. What's this? I didn't see this coming. <laughs> it's so out of nowhere. It's ridiculous. It's awesome, man. I love it. It cracks me up so much. No, Arthur says. Yes, yes, Arthur. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, bud. Oh, uh, man. I was here working on the intake problem when you attacked me. Fortunately, I was carrying a gun after the murder of my colleagues who could blame me. And then smash. I love that. Keyboard in the face. Yeah. Dude. Crank. Dude, he really, I mean, he's really trying to hit it over the monster. He's definitely pulling that thing to left field. That that keyboard must also be made of jet engine experimental. It should be in a million pieces. <laughs> because <laughs> that guy goes down awful hard. <laughs> Dude, um, smash. Smash and the hell. Oh, hey, there you are inside the jet chamber. <laughs> he wakes up in the jet chamber. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I love it. I love that shit. I love that he wakes up in it. That's terrific. Also pointed out by uh, Mr. Ben Frew. So if Mach 1 is, I forget, I don't have, 762. 7-something. Seven yeah. Something like that. Uh, if the air is actually moving that fast, and maybe it's not, maybe there's like a, it's a simulated, like they extrapolate it. But yeah, you're not, you're not standing there holding <laughs> your ground at Mach 3, 4, 5, because nope. that's 3,000 miles an hour. Like, yeah. Picture if you've ever like stepped outside in like a real bad storm, like borderline hurricane or like been in the eye of a hurricane. Oh, yeah. Like the wind's still going like 60, 70 miles an hour. And you're you're leaning. You're physically leaning forward. No, it'll take you down. Yeah. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) Boy. I went into a science museum in Florida once. Didn't really have to do this in Florida because we would routinely get hammered by something trying to kill everyone on the coast. In, in real world. But we went into a wind tunnel at a science museum when I was in middle school. 
and it was rad. Oh, that shit's sick. And they have a digital readout above the fan, and it says X type of storm, next type of storm. Oh, next time and it keeps going up and you're like i can't fucking hear you you're screaming at each other when it's like even a hundred it's so sick dude it was really cool it's really cool i highly recommend anybody do it i have a couple friends who are um skydiving instructors yeah and they they do some of that shit indoors Oh, cool they have the turbines well, under them yeah to work on technique and it just gets you know it gets the wind going up to like 120 or whatever. I, I don't know. Whatever yeah, it is. that's so, what it that, is. That's terminal velocity. That's where you're falling. I don't know if that's the same amount you need to like updraft, but whatever it is, you literally are suspended like it's in pretty air. Well. That's fucking air. awesome. And they can work on like technique and shit. And yeah, here, here you have a lot more than that. <laughs> and, uh, but Mullen and Scully show up on time. They do more than, uh, more than they've done in some other episodes. Cause they actually convinced Roland to, that was awesome. To power down. And here's what I love. Good payoff. That, they've built the rapport with them enough to do it. They've built the rapport, but it's it's Mulder trying to talk to Arthur, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Scully that, that goes to Roland. I like that better. I'm talking to the brother, talking to Roland. And getting, You've got to help him or he's going to die, she just says simply. Yep. And they do. They get through. It powers down. And then, man, our epilogue is a fucking bummer. It is such a bummer. Oh, really? Arthur's tank goes warm. Fuck that guy. <laughs> they should just walk outside and dump it on the sidewalk. Uh, no, Honest to God. Take it out, walk outside, and just, like, fucking drop pump that brain just out into the Punk. lawn. It's gonna, you know what it should be? You remember the end of Conan the Barbarian? The most glorious head throw? And, yes. and the best sound effects. It's literally making plopping noises going down the stairs. That's what I want. Yeah, that would have been better. I think it would have been better for sure. But So, epilogue, bummer time. Let's talk about it. Total bummer. Uh, He's mean, being held for valuation. Muller says he recommended that Roland be remanded to Miss Stody's custody, right? How could this happen? Roland isn't violent. This poor woman tried to do everything right. Yeah. And, um, and then we'll see. Like, yeah, they're saying they're going to try to get Roland back there. But regardless yeah. of the weird shit that's happened in this X file, uh, Roland, Roland, the body did kill you know, like Jesse, the body did, <laughs> did physically kill three people, right? He did two, two, I guess what two, 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 eh, and an attempted two and a half. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to slap him with attempt if you want to really get that promotion. But, uh, yeah, man. And like the goodbye to Tracy, he gives her his stars. Yeah. Oof. She says, I love you. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, Roland looks in the mirror, combs his hair. Roll on one. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. It's the 90s, too. He's still a possibility. Especially if he's in the South. Quick fade from him looking in the mirror to like him looking in the mirror like, and then walking out down death row. Mm -hmm. Dead man walking. You know the police are going to fucking destroy this guy. You did it, didn't you? Say you did it. Say you did it and you'll get mercy. I did it. (laughs) Fucking guys. Brutal. Well, I hope that's not the case. I hope he he ends up okay. Yeah. I have faith that the FBI has pretty good pull with him, but he's, he's not, you know, he wasn't who he was. I mean, it's hard to prove that in a court of law. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, he already Mulder, is pretty compromised mentally. Mulder won't get hung up searching on to the next beacon of truth. He will for sure <laughs> remain steadfast and dedicated to ensuring that Roland sees justice. He won't get caught up in the next weird thing that comes up about aliens in the next episode. Yeah, no. Scully Blake. Well, he's um, he's on death row. His execution is is scheduled for Monday at midnight. But Scully in Nebraska, there are these cornfield markings. Six we gotta seconds. go. Six. Yeah, six months. He's tap. He he hits the fucking paper. Six. I already got your plane tickets. But Roland, what? Fuck Roland. The truth, Scully. What do you want me to do? I'm not. A, I can't reform the law. <laughs> uh, that's fucking dark. All right, there it is. Episode over. Rolling, baby. Rolling, baby. Rolling and controlling. We got some some people. Okay, yeah, we got a lot of listener comments on this one. They've been going up. I like it. I like it a lot. More and more involvement. Let's go. I'm going to start with Carmelita. She says, this episode doesn't really sell me on its premise, but Zeljko Ivanik does, a, does give a great performance. His portrayal of Roland is earnest and sympathetic. At the end, I don't give a shit about the dead scientist or the issues with Arthur's cryo tank. I'm just really bummed that Roland is separated from his friend and that the nice lady that runs the group home there. Yes, exactly. That's, that's, that's every part of the like of this episode right there, rolled into one succinct paragraph that's probably more efficient to read than just listening to this episode. <laughs> yep, that's good. I'll do one from Matt Conrad. Solid up, not giving you no face or anything, but there are stirrings below the decks. The whole twin brother telepathically controlling his silly brain brother, even though he's dead, and frozen a cryo unit is a bit far-fetched to say the least, but it's an X-Files, so whatever. Some good murders in this episode, though. Dig the scientist flying through the air into a spinning turbine scene, and love, love, love the old Jason Voorhees raising the head solid in the nitrogen move. Lastly, the portrayal of a mentally handicapped person could have gone horribly wrong. It's very much a delicate line to walk, but I think the actor pulls it off without it coming off as offensive, at least to me. Sure. What What the fuck do I know? Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think we both agree. We've yep. About yep. Very, very good. Good stuff. Um, uh, Roland, Mr. Martin. Roland is, uh, is an episode that has a lot of things going for it. And you know what, you know what it is? <clears throat> Here's what it is. I think without Roland and Tracy and Stody and with less likable characters in that position, this episode is a downright don't like. <laughs> it's born again. It's born again by it's way. Yes, exactly. It, it, I mean, it, it is. It, it, it's it, no, it's okay. But but what? But but that just goes to show you that it's important for characters to be relatable and likable, even if they're hard to relate to. Because how could you? How could you know what that's like unless you have a very close family member like that is afflicted as such, right? Yep. But it's but it's fucking personality goes a long way, right? And I yep. think that's and I think that's what makes it. You you want Roland to be okay. You you hope for him. You hope that he makes out okay. You like the way he's interacted with by Mulder, especially. And there is there is some plot issues outside of the character issues, and I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, which is, but but it's still likable to me. It's just not. It's hard to love when when you look closely at the whole premise of why everyone is killing each other. <laughs> just a little thin from a premise standpoint but i like the idea of the setup i like industrial espionage i like the idea of a telepathic frozen head operating 
That's wild. And uh, and I like Roland and uh, that whole crew to Halfway House. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a like it too. Solid like it. Um, but again, it's largely because of the performance, the, you know, you get a big fucking, big soft, wet, wet spot in your heart with fucking Roland and Tracy. Easily. Um, the, the dead person kind of influencing thing beyond the grave, it's been done a ton just in season one. That, there was a few people commented on that. And, you yep. know, we keep going back to born again, but there's two or three others like that. And yeah, like the, the motivations are really kind of spotty. Um, <clears throat> and I feel like yeah, we keep going. there are a few things that could have been written a lot better, but ultimately you enjoy watching it because you enjoy like you said man the characters you nailed it and um there are there are cool elements of the setting but really comes down to um enjoying the people you're watching on screen and yeah rollins will like it for me for sure awesome well how many episodes do we got left josh fucking uno baby we're gonna ring in the new year by closing out season one that's kind of awesome and that episode is erlenmeyer flask correct that's right God damn, that's exciting. Cliffhanger. A little spoiler alert. Yep, little cliffhanger. I'm looking forward to it. Well, good sir. I'm glad uh, you sound a lot more lucid. I'm glad you're not dead and we didn't have to do wellness check on you. That's a plus. I'm happy for you. Um, Well removed from the Percocets by this point. That's good. You sound like you're on the mend, which is excellent. And um, I just want to say thank you to everyone who turned up in chat. Thanks for all of the comments, of course. And uh, with that, we're going to say goodbye. But I'll let Josh close out in the tradition of the X-Files podcast. So, Josh, please tell these good people good night. Keep my thoughts. <laughs>